Alright, welcome to the official CoinHash podcast. My name is Jeff. My name is Mark. My name is Donald. My name is Michael. And together, we're the Powerpuff Girls. Alright, so, uh, I think, I think, uh, over the next one minute, I'm just gonna share with you guys, like, roughly how this whole podcast works. So, we're a bunch of, like, crypto guys and Michaela. And the whole point of this is really to educate Singaporeans in general, but, like, um, I guess what we're gonna do is we really wanna bring to light a lot of these crypto problems because there's a lot of things where people in crypto don't understand. There's a lot of things where, you know, there's a lot of just a red tape involved in a decentralized market. So I think what we want to do and the goal of this podcast is really to give everybody a very good insight on how this whole crypto market is run, the news, predictions, money in general, entrepreneurship, and everything when it comes to uh, money. So yeah, why don't we just start the topics today? Okay, great. So let's start our first topic. Um, so what do you guys think about Singapore to follow up with Binance in the wake of a global crackdown, right? So for Singapore, right, it said that they have, of MAS is actually cracking down on Binance Holdings after its parent company came under scrutiny from a lot of authorities around the world. So Binance Asia Services has a grace period as to which it can operate in the city state while MAS actually reviews its application for a license to provide digital payment for token services. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, so what the hell does that mean? Uh? Digital payment services. Um, the digital payment services means they're using crypto to pay or using they're, they're getting paid in crypto or using crypto to pay. So I think that over the last couple of years, crypto has been really unregulated. So um, we have able, we're able to do it quite in a gray area in Singapore for quite the longest time actually. So I think things are changing right now. Even recently, a lot of the crypto banks are getting more regulatory and um, a lot of audits. So we can see that um, Silvergate also cut ties with the Binance US. I mean, not the US, sorry, the Binance International.com. Um, there are many other crypto banks also. We can look at uh, Royal Business Bank. There's also um, PrimeX. So there's quite a lot of signature New York. There's so many crypto banks, but you can see that a lot of them are only allowing um, US deposits. So this means that they are controlling the inflows and outflows. I think the reason is because they are worried about capital <laughs> flows between countries. So mm. as a government, you don't really like capital flows moving out of your country because you can't really stop these flows if you are, if it's going through um, the cryptocurrency route, mm. the blockchain route. Wait, so, so what does that mean? Does that mean like Binance is, I can't use Binance anymore? Or does that mean that like I, I can use Binance but I cannot be paid in Binance? Or what does that mean? I think it's harder to deposit and redraw in any kind <clears throat> of um, exchange nowadays because... They're just trying to limit flows because also a lot of all these exchanges are based in Singapore. If you don't know that a lot of those CEOs and even uh, the Ethereum founder Vitalik was also staying in Singapore. Um, Chao Zheng Park, CZ is also staying in Singapore. A big lot of those big exchanges and crypto. It's Singapore's a, like some would call it the washing machine of the East. And uh, it's where a lot of, they have a lot of lax laws, no capital gains tax. That's why it's a haven for all this kind of um, unregulated industries. So I think that's more of a general market. But what do you think about typical Singaporeans who are trading crypto? Do you think this MAS regulation will affect the day-to-day -day trading? You know, a lot of people use P2P to get their USDT to buy and sell. Yeah, then my Akong mm. Ama want to trade. What are, I think what they are... should be using Binance SG because that's um, XFIRST regulated. So XFIRST also created um, this stablecoin called XSGD. <coughs> and all these are done through MAS. La. So um, as long as it's done through MAS and since Binance SG is Dantra MAS, that's how I think each city state will have their own um, variation of the website. So there's Binance.us, Binance.sg, just that the, the, the bigger brother, Binance.com, is under law scrutiny. This is also 
across a lot of the music exchanges. If you look in Huobi also, Huobi has also cut down on um, withdrawals and deposits for um, wiring as well as both um, B2B. They're not allowed to um, transact such heavy volume anymore. So, so how, how do you become a finance nerd? Uh, I'm just saying, I don't know how to become a finance nerd, but I'm, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that um, I think retails will get affected less. It's your bigger players, your institutional <coughs> players, as well as your big retail want to move money. Um, that's obviously going to be kept out quite a bit. Yeah. As regards to how to be a finance nerd, um, I think Michaela has a better insight on that. Yeah, Michaela. So um, how, how's graduating from MIT and, uh, and everything like that? I think... The thing about me is that I have cousins, you know, all over the world attending universities like Oxford and Cambridge, and almost like 80% of them are major in finance or economics. It's as if this is the trend nowadays, you know, it's, in the past it used to be like doctors and lawyers, but nowadays it's just, I feel like everyone's a finance kid, you know, like finance is the big hit nowadays, especially with cryptocurrencies and all that. So, so, so what does university teach you about crypto? I think that I, f- I feel like university education is a it's sort of like it's an entry you know you, it's 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 something that you have to do because everyone else is doing I think it's not it's not like it's not as important as everyone thinks think it is mm. it teaches you stuff but it's only the fundamentals mm. so there are really a lot more that you have to learn later in life okay so 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 for a for a random kid watching this podcast right now right yeah. would you recommend him to do university well, I think it depends on what he wants in life. You know, if what he seeks is knowledge and uh, book, textbook stuff, then definitely <coughs> college is the is the way to do it. You know what's better than Lambo? Knowledge, bro. Knowledge. <laughs> not wrong, not wrong, not wrong. I remember my mentor, Atai Lopez, when I saw his advertisement in 2015, I bought his 67 Steps to 67 Chicks. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, re- you hit that mouth yeah. yourself anyway, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, um, it's, it's, <laughs> You know this whole this whole finance thing, right? The 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 game is always to to, to just get as as much um money and as much life force as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Sean, Sean, how's it like being a tuition teacher in in the finance realm? Yeah, it's not Sean. Sorry, Wilfred, <laughs> whatever fuck his name is, Marco, Mark, <laughs> Mark, Carlos, Carlos. Yeah. Uh, as you may well know, we are using aliases because um. Our identity is to be protected, yes. but um, Marcos, please continue. <laughs> okay, so I think uh, being in this space, right, um, in terms of like educating kids nowadays, especially those, okay, they're not really kids anymore, like 17, 18 years old, they're actually quite into the crypto space right now, more than you would think. Uh, I think most of the time, they're actually asking me more things about crypto other than, you know, physics or math rather than anything else. So <laughs> you can't see where, where the money influence going to When when moon, right? When moon, yeah, that's you should teach When moon, um, <clears throat> what coin should I invest in? Should I invest into Doge? You know all these kind of stupid bullshit sh- stuff. But anyway, I think at the end of the day, right, crypto is where kind of like the real money is going to be made for the new generation, right? So like I always tell a lot of my students, like every generation has their wealth generational tool. For grandparents' age, probably property. For our parents, it's probably dot-com boom. But for us, in this uh, current generation, I I really feel it's crypto, right? I feel like it's a long way to go. What do you think about that, Michaela? The thing about cryptocurrency is that many people are skeptical towards it. Mm. They feel that it's not as safe as traditional, like, you know, like, stocks. <clears throat> what, what do you think about... Funds and all that. What do you think about um, all this 
uh, I'll say FUD in the market. Oh being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being spread by by the big institutions instead so of FUD the is basically fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So with this thing, um, there's always going to be FUD when it comes to crypto because it's unregulated, and obviously big institutions will not like it because they are against crypto. Banks are against crypto because it defeats the what they can do with money, what they can do with Federal Reserve. So the monetary supply, the M1, M2 money supply is based on how much you can print, the federal funds rate, how they manage all this circular flow of money. They have the control of it. But when blockchain becomes decentralized, so when big um, institutions lose their power and this kind of things, that's when they get worried and that's why they can also be incentivized to create FUD. So so is that why UK is like, it's like fucking up Binance and shit? UK only took out margin trading. They didn't really <coughs> talk about spot trading. Yeah, so, that's the thing. That's but the they're thing. limiting leverage and um, they're also kind of limiting speculative, uh, uh, so much speculation in the market. Because I think sometimes speculations can be very bad because speculation comes about with the futures platform, the derivatives market. Mm. And before 2018, there was no futures contracts on crypto. So they were just doing spot asset holding. It was just small people buying a little bit of crypto and then buying pizza. Have you heard of those people bought 20,000 Bitcoin of pizza, uh, 20,000 BTC actually mm, mm, with, mm. for two pizzas, you know. So it was a very small small game thing. But as it comes along nowadays, since um, so much more um, retail interest rate, the market cap has increased to 1 trillion at one point. <coughs> we can see that a lot of these institutions are trying to pick up on it and trying to get a hold of it or get control of it before it gets out of hand. Mm. So, so I just want to know, like, what... What's the difference, right, between actually having a cryptocurrency versus like buying tokens on a platform and using it to spend? Or like, yeah. it's that the end game for crypto? This is a very nuanced question because there's both proof of stake and proof of work. So if you're talking about blockchain, okay, I'm going to keep this very simple and try to keep it layman. But if you're talking about proof of work, it's um, that's what gives crypto is decentralization. There's a limited supply of Bitcoin. There's 21 million of them. Yeah. And proof of work means that every you, minor authenticates... Every miner authenticates the, the transactions across the blockchain. But if you just want to buy and sell and then um, it's backed by, it could be fiat back, fiat being your cash back, this could be proof of stake. means you give someone a dollar, they give you a token that they say this to- token is worth a dollar. Or they can give you a part of their company, a, a, a stake okay, a stake in a company or some um, a token of their company for exchange for X amount of dollars. And then they can unlimitedly print this kind of money. So that's proof of stake. The, va- the value of what Bitcoin has is because it's proof of work. It's limited in supply. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I want your opinion on this. So the what's that? A uh, Coinbase is paying kids four percent per year to hold USDC. Why? And is this is this good? They are essentially doing what the Federal Reserve does. They can print endlessly because you give me a dollar, I give you a USDT or USDC. Yeah. And but the issue with this is how do they make you ask your question before you put money into anything? You ask ask yourself. How are they able to give you 4%? How come your banks only give you half a percent or 1% a year? The reason that they're able to give you 4 to 12% per annum APY is because they lend out your money. So they lend out, how do they lend it out? So let's say I have one Bitcoin and Bitcoin is worth 40,000. They lend it, they, they are able to lend this person 40,000 worth of tether. And if that person loses that 40,000 of tether, he has to repay. They will liquidate their one, their one Bitcoin. But yeah. there's also a chance if that Bitcoin drops too much, they have to still be margin call. So, um, essentially, it is. It's very weird because the crypto itself, the USDC, is backed by fiat, and the fiat is all at the same time backed by crypto. So it's a kind of a giant Ponzi MLM scheme. It's not a bad thing when you think about it this way because I'm not trying to scare you when I say this because everything is actually a Ponzi MLM scheme. Um, your Federal Reserve printing dollars in the quantitative easing. It's also a a form of monetary policy. So you can't say that one is worse than the other as long as it's backed properly or did that properly. Mm. And what about 
digital currencies when it comes to digital fiat. Like for example, I think Beijing, um, right? Actually created a digital yuan. There's CNYH, there's VNDC, there's XSGD. Mm. Um, all of these are a way for countries to control their <laughs> money ins and outs of the uh, through the blockchain. Mm. So the reason they create it is so that they can show that it's backed by the government and it gives people their trust in it. But at the same time, it actually devalues whatever mm. blockchain is trying to do. But what, what, what do you think about what China is doing whereby they regulate crypto as a whole, but they create their own cryptocurrency. So what, what do you think their end goal is? They're just digitalizing payments. They're just changing all their nodes into a token and then making everything more seamless and allowing more transactions through the blockchain or ERC networks. But this is actually nothing different from your Cryptos. pay now, your digits yeah. in your bank account. But do you think it's a whole that helps the crypto space? I don't or think it does. does it create more more fight or does it actually strengthen people's I uh, think conviction? you endlessly create tokens and you <coughs> convert the whole fiat-based currency all into digitalized tokens. Obviously, there's still a lot to be converted left. La. There's people holding dollars and in their bank accounts, in their drawers and they're under their mattress. But this, all this does is creating more liquidity in the market. Something is backed by something and something is backed by something else and all this creates a lot of artificial influx and is an artificial pump. So, yeah, the market cap can increase way more, man. It's still at a trillion. I think it's very still undersized. If you look at goals, maybe what, four or five trillion or you look at the one trillion is nothing in terms of an asset value. Okay, something like that. It's not that much. Crypto has potential to hit much, much, mm. much more. But then also because there's so much more tokens being created and backed by nothing or something. Depends. Mm. If okay. that makes sense. I guess so. Uh, Michaela, what do you think about I guess, I guess you know, coming from uh, that background, you know, what, what do you think about uh, the crypto space in China right now? Well, you know, I feel like the Chinese are still very skeptical when it comes to cryptocurrency because for the Chinese, crypto <coughs> is it's a very it's a very new concept that's been introduced to them, and that's why you can see that like Huobi is banning like Chinese residents from like trading on um, trading cryptocurrencies. Is it crypto or is it futures? Yeah, it's a different. It's a very very deep difference. I think they are controlling speculative futures trading. Actually, no, China is controlling everything. Oh, okay, Sorry. okay, yeah. okay. I think because they want to control, they want to know the, the money that's coming in and out. The Communist Party are very um, specific when it comes to like the source of the money. Mm. They want to see like if the money, like what what's the purpose has been used for the money. Source of funds. Source of funds, yeah. Just can like, can you track that? Let's say for digital yuan, since the crypto, can you track? The, they can uh, definitely check through the blockchain. Like, if they own the blockchain and they create under their own network, they can definitely track it. So mm. that's, I think, their purpose of doing that. Mm. So, uh, yeah, what okay. Was, so, so sh- for the greedy motherfuckers out there, right? How do you, back to the Coinbase thing, create a crypto bank? Yeah, how, how do you create a crypto bank? You have to be back and you have to have an auditor behind <coughs> it. How do you create a crypto bank? You can't make a crypto bank unless you are. If you're in Singapore, you make a crypto bank, you have to be MAS regulated, so it's almost impossible. If you're on an offshore island like Mahe, Seychelles, or Switzerland, or Grenada, or something, you could probably. Get a uh, Philippines also all these. I've no. I've heard people of starting exchanges and banks, not so much of a bank lah, more of a trust. Okay. You create a bank, you probably need to be a new bank or a DG bank. It takes a lot more uh paperwork than a trust. Okay. Okay. Trust means it's been collateralizing the fiat that you take in. And, and the most important question, right, is when when do you see Singapore uh, adopting crypto as currency, or adopting some form of crypto as currency? Hmm. I think soon. I think I think Singapore is very progressive as a, a nation state. Uh, I think that um, they will definitely do regulate. I think XSGD can have potential in the future. XSGD is 
a very <coughs> big um it's, it's still quite small in market cap and liquidity and volume but i think that if they implement it by force i think it can take place obviously they have to implement it by force anyway oh yeah Lee Kuan Yew, Lee Kuan Yew. okay uh so I think I think that that wraps it up the first podcast. Uh, thanks everybody. If if you stayed up to this long, uh, why don't you just follow us on Instagram? Follow this fucking podcast. Uh, get on YouTube. Uh, and just like you know, in general, like like just just keep looking at us because we want to look at you. No homo. But uh, I think at the end of the day, if you're looking for someone to train you consistently when it comes to the crypto market, understand how this whole crypto market works. Uh, there should be a link somewhere along this podcast you'll be able to click on that there's a 45 minute free training we share with you all our tips all our numbers everything from there and uh, yeah but if not then i'll catch you next time on the next podcast